Okay. I want to look at responsibility, the twin of repentance. We'll come to the holy days. Friday night, next Friday is Erev Rosh Hashanah. And uh, that's the subject under contemplation during Rosh Hashanah is repentance. Well, today I want to look at responsibility, the twin of repentance. And in a phrase that expresses a theological conviction in the Jewish world, which is based on scripture, and that is that all Israel is responsible for one another. We're going to see what that means. So, let me uh, make life easier for you. This is a, a, a quote from the Torah reading today. Steve so, uh, Goldsmith, would you read this again, please? Yes. Today you are standing, all of you, before Adonai your God. The purpose is that you should enter into the covenant of Adonai your God and into his oath, which Adonai your God is making with you today, so that he can establish you today for himself as a people, and so that for you he will be God, as he said to you, and as he swore to your ancestors, to Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. But I am not making this covenant and this oath only with you. Rather, I am making it both with him who is standing here with us today, before Adonai our God, and also with him who is not here with us today. Now, just before this passage, we read this breakdown of society, the woodcutters, the water drawers, your children, your wives, your elders, every, every um, layer of, of Israeli society at that time was standing there before Moses. And, but it, then he says, but I'm not talking only to you who are here today, but with him who is not here today. And this question, which I've asked you before, and which Torah asks us is, what do you think he means by him who is not here with us today? And all the commentators, a Christian and Jewish, agree. This is the future generations of Israel. Those are the ones who are also implicated in this covenant on the plains of Moab. All Israel shares in a covenantal obligation to God. All of us. When you're born into the Jewish family, you were born obligated to God because he redeemed us from Egypt. You wouldn't have the chance to, be, to have been born if he had not done that. And therefore you owe him. I owe him. And not only that, but our ancestors pledged on our behalf that we would do his will. So all Israel shares in a covenantal obligation to God and a covenantal bond with each other. We're responsible to hold each other accountable, to honor uh, this covenantal bond with God. The Jewish community has thought about this deeply. The Talmud in Shavuot uh, 39a, and discussing the domino effect of sin, concludes with this Aramaic phrase, kol Yisrael aravim zebazeh, meaning that all of Israel are responsible for each other. This phrase is the basis of the notion of communal responsibility in Jewish law. 
if one Jew sees another Jew on the verge of sinning, he has an obligation to step in and to help. And we see this reflected in the New Covenant too, which says in Galatians 6, if you see your brother sinning, uh, you're supposed to do something about it. We have a responsibility for one another because of the covenant that we hold in common with God. We continue reading, even more so, it implies an obligation on all Jews to ensure that other Jews have their basic needs for food, clothing, and shelter taken care of. So we're responsible not only to keep one another from sinning, but to keep one another um, in the dignity of life. So by virtue of being a Jew, one is responsible for the well-being of other Jews, and other Jews are responsible for us. Now, what does Paul say? Uh, I'd like somebody to read this. Um, read go ahead, read anyone. Okay, this is Nikki. Okay, there you are, Nikki. Hi. Yeah, I'll take my thing off. Wait, you just took, okay. Brothers, <clears throat> suppose someone is caught doing something wrong. You who have the spirit should set him right. But in a spirit of humility, keeping an eye on yourself so that you won't be tempted to bear one another's burdens. In this way, you will be fulfilling the Torah's true meaning, which the Messiah upholds. For if, any, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is really nothing, he is fooling himself. So let each of you scrutinize his own actions. And then if you do find something to boast about, at least the boasting will be based on what you have actually done and not merely on a judgment that you are better than someone else. For each person will carry his own load. We have an enigma here. We have, on the one hand, each person carries his own load. And that is really his responsibility to live for God. And on the other hand, we're supposed to help our brothers and sisters carry their loads. And in context, it's the load of guilt that they may feel because if their life is not going well. So yes, we have a responsibility to carry our own load, our own responsibilities towards God, but also we have a responsibility to help our brothers and sisters who may not be doing so well in that regard. This, this is the issue of responsibility. And as you can see where I'm going with this message, as we think of repentance, uh, repentance has to do with assessing how have I dealt with my responsibilities? Um, responsibility and repentance are twins. And there are areas of confusion, disagreement, and growth, areas where people dispute what, who, who's responsible for what? There's a lot of dispute about this. What is our personal responsibility? How responsible are we for the members of our family? What about our communal responsibility? How responsible are we for the well-being of our community? These are important questions. You can't talk about repentance without dealing with these issues. What about our national responsibility? How responsible are we as Americans who also have a covenantal responsibility uh, relationship with other Americans? Um, in Hebrew, 
America is called Artsot Habrit, the land, the lands of the covenant. Uh, we have a covenant. That's what we do. Where the United States were united by covenantal relationship. What's our responsibility to and for the nation? What about the government's responsibility? How much responsibility does the government have to make sure that people are fed, are clothed, and have a place to live? There's a lot of dispute about that. These are important questions. If you're going to talk about repentance, you have to talk about responsibility. And this is not something for political banter. This is something which, in the sight of God, we need to examine ourselves in these various circles of responsibility. So let's look on. Here's a, a quote from someone thinking about Israeli responsibility, national responsibility, but I think it applies to us as well. Steve Lally, would you read this page, please? The need for unity is much greater in Israel than in diaspora Jewish communities. Since the intensity of the ideological confrontation in Israel may endanger the very foundations of the state. There is a comment by our sages on the subject that seems to speak to the present situation in Israel. The first verse in the weekly portion of Nitzavim reads, you stand today, all of you, before the eternal one, your God. That's what we just read today. Said the rabbis, when is it that you are standing? When all of you become one entity? When should it happen? Today. Right. We stand. United we stand. This, this really is another way of saying united we stand, divided we fall. And he says, you are standing today, all of you, before the eternal one, your God. So united we stand, divided we fall, and the time to apply that is today. Now the United States and every one of us in this lesson needs to really think seriously about this. I lived through the period of the, uh, the Vietnam War, and there was a lot of, of um, division and clamor at that time. We had the assassination of John F. Kennedy, of his brother Robert, of Dr. Martin Luther King. Those were terrible times, uh, times of great stress in America, times of great division. We are living through terribly stressful times today, and we need to stand back and realize that we cannot be the United States unless we stand together. United we stand, divided we fall. And it's something we ought to do today. And as we come to the High Holy Days, this is one of the areas of the many that I listed. And uh, you saw that I listed them here. This is one of those areas where we need to assess ourselves as we go to repentance. We need to ask ourselves some tough questions. We can only repent to the degree to which we are prepared to grapple with our responsibilities. Again, we can only repent to the degree that we are prepared to grapple with our responsibilities, what they are 
and how we've met them. Our responsibilities to God, to each other, to our family members, to others, to communities of which we are a part, to our nation, to the world at large. How are we doing with our responsibility, managing our responsibilities to all these various circles of association? And now I want to bring to you some quotations from some luminaries, people you'll recognize, talking about responsibility. The purpose of this is just to give you something to think about. Albert Einstein said that the world is a dangerous place, not because of those who do evil, but because of those who look on and do nothing. Lord Acton said, all that is necessary for the progress of evil is for good people to do nothing. So as we assess how responsible we have been or not been, as we assess the issue of repentance, we need to ask ourselves, uh, have I looked on and done nothing in situations where I should have done something? That's a question for me, for you. Dr. Martin Luther King said this challenging thing. One has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. Are you and I prepared? He, he helped over to, to revolutionize the world through civil disobedience, nonviolent disobedience. Are we prepared to break with the herd in a nonviolent way if the herd is moving in an unjust direction? That's an important question. Here's one from Paul, 1 Timothy 5.8, about you and me and our families. Anyone who does not provide for his own people, especially for his family, has disowned the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You may have a sister or a brother or, a, or other relatives you cannot stand. Uh, you may have uh, people in your family that you're estranged from you still have a responsibility. And if we don't take care of our own, Tim, uh, Paul says, we're worse than an unbeliever. That's the challenge. As we come to the high holy days and thinking about our sins, how are we doing with taking care of our own? Golda Meir. Uh, I need a woman. Uh, Rusty, would you read this? Trust yourself. Create the kind of self that you will be happy to live with all your life. Make the most of yourself by fanning the tiny inner sparks of possibility into the flames of, itch, of achievement. How have you done? How have I done in terms of my responsibility for shaping my life? How have I done? Have I abdicated responsibility for my life by blaming everything wrong with me on somebody else? Or have I worked to make my life um, a work of art? I, I read a quote from Hans Urs von Balthasar. 
uh, I couldn't find a good picture of him that I could put up, so I left him out. He said this famous thing is that uh, what you are is God's gift to you. What you make of yourself is your gift to God. Again, who you are is God's gift to you. What you make of yourself is your gift to God. How have you done with the responsibility of being a human being? How have I done? It's a good question. Here's another one. Rabbi Zusia of Hanipoli, Hanipoli on responsibility. There's a famous story. He's on his deathbed. He's a great, a great sage. His disciples are around and he's weeping on his deathbed. And they ask him, Rabbi, Rabbi, are you, are you uh, sad because you've not been Moses? You've not been like Moses, our teacher? And this was his answer. Rabbi Zusia said that on the day of judgment, God would ask him not why he had not been Moses, but why he had not been Zusia. That's a tough question. Have I been the person I was created to be? Are you being the person that God created you to be? Or have you abdicated responsibility? When we think of repentance, we think of questions like these. Viktor Frankl, the great Jewish psychiatrist who went through the concentration camps and developed a school of psychotherapy called logotherapy, which says that man's deepest need is not for pleasure, as Freud would say, but for meaning. And here's what he said. Uh, Steve Goldsmith, would you read this, please? Freedom is in danger of degenerating into mere arbitrariness unless it is lived in terms of responsibleness. That is why I recommend that the Statue of Liberty on the East Coast be supplemented by a Statue of Responsibility on the West Coast. Right. Freedom is a responsibility. And it's not, it does not exist apart from responsibility. Ellie Wiesel, um, uh, Nikki, read this one for me. Okay. <clears throat> this is the duty of our generation. Solidarity with the weak, the persecuted, the lonely, the sick, and those in despair. It is expressed by the desire to give a noble and humanizing meaning to a community in which all members will define themselves not by their own identity, but by that of others. Solidarity with the weak, the persecuted, the lonely, the sick, and those in despair. Do we have a responsibility for these people or is it not our problem? How would the Torah look at that? Let's take a look. Uh, someone read this for me. If a foreigner stays within your land, do not do him wrong. Rather, treat the foreigner staying with you like the native born among you. You are to love him as yourself, for you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. I am Adonai, your God. So what is the measure of how we are to treat the foreigner? We're to treat the foreigner uh, like, we, like we love ourselves. We treat him like our neighbor, really. That's really very revolutionary. 
when the Torah says you shall love your neighbor as yourself, it's talking about your fellow Israelite. It's talking about your fellow Israelite. But the Torah goes beyond that. Revolutionary. It says even the foreigner you're to love as you love yourself. So not just your neighbor. And Yeshua asked this question too. When someone asked him the question, well, so who is my neighbor? And Yeshua tells the story of the Good Samaritan, which turns the whole story around. In which Yeshua makes the point that you are the neighbor to the person whom you treat in a neighborly fashion. Your responsibility is to make neighbor is to make neighbors of everybody. Uh, to treat everybody like they're your 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 posse, your people. Here's another passage. Uh, Rusty, read this one. If a member of your people has become poor so that he can't support himself among you, you are to assist him as you would a foreigner or a temporary resident. Okay, this turns the whole thing backwards. This turns it around. Now, uh, notice, uh, read that again, and notice how it turns the other passage around. Read it again, Rusty. If a member of your people has become poor so that he can't support himself among you, you are to assist him as you would a foreigner or a temporary resident so that he can continue living with you. Do not charge him interest or otherwise profit from him, but fear your God so that your brother can continue living with you. Do not take interest when, the, when you loan him money or take a profit when you sell him food. So what is the measure? of how we ought to treat our fellow Israelite. Well, answer me this question, Rusty. We ought to treat our fellow Israelite like we treat... The foreigner or the temporary resident. Now that's an extraordinary statement. It's even more radical than the previous one. The previous one said, treat the, the foreigner or the temporary resident like you treat your brother. Now it says, Treat your brother as good as you treat the foreigner and the temporary resident. So the assumption is you're going to treat the foreigner well. And make sure you treat your brother as well as you treat the foreigner. And in America, this is another big, big issue. And it's one you're going to have to wrestle with. One I'm going to have to wrestle with. What is our responsibility to the outsider? Uh, and we got to realize that we're, not, we're, we're discussing this question not with somebody from the other political party or even our own political party. We're discussing this issue with God. How do we treat the outsider? Good question. Abraham Joshua Heschel said this, morally speaking, there's no limit to the concern must feel, sorry, Morally speaking, there is no limit to the concern one must feel for the suffering of human beings. That indifference to evil is worse than evil itself. That in a free society, some are guilty, but all are responsible. What does it mean that some are guilty, but all are responsible. Let's uh, let's look at that question for a minute. Let's discuss that. What does it mean that some are guilty, but
but all are responsible. Anybody want to dive in? I think, this is Nikki, I think that, um, you know, we can look at people and see what other people are doing in the sense of they're being guilty or they're not taking responsibility. And that doesn't preclude us from going, like what you were saying about not departing from the, about departing from the herd. We can't say, well, everybody else, nobody else is caring. Everybody else is acting like this. We're responsible, even if somebody else is guilty. That's how I interpret it. That's helpful. There's a difference between being guilty and being responsible. The guilty person is the person who does the wrong thing. But even if you've not done the wrong thing, you are responsible to address the wrong thing that has been done. To be silent is to be complicit with the evils that are done. Um, so only some are guilty. They're the ones who did the evil. But all of us are responsible not to look the other way. And this is a question that uh, that we need we need to wrestle with as we come to the holy days. The whole issue of the relationship between responsibility and repentance. You can only repent for those areas where you were irresponsible or where you were responsible for doing something wrong. You repent in the area of responsibility. And I'm not here to, to I'm only here to ask a lot of questions. I don't have a lot of answers. It's not for me to do. So let's look, we have just a little bit more. Yeshua the Messiah on responsibility. Here's the parable of the sheep and the goats. Yeshua really takes it home to us here. And if you'll wait a moment, I'm gonna give this to you in a very unusual way. Okay, hold on just a moment. Here we go. Not there. Here we go. Pay careful attention. Matthew chapter 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. 
I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life. When Jesus had finished saying all these things. Okay, so. So let's remember this. We can only repent to the degree that we are prepared to grapple with our responsibilities, what they are and how we've met them. Our responsibility to God, to each other, to our family members, to others, to communities of which we are a part, to our nation, and to the world at large. We can only repent if we're prepared to examine our responsibilities. That's my word for you for today. May God bless to our hearts this consideration of his word. Father, these were sober considerations for which I make no apologies. Of all times of the year, the High Holy Days are the times when we must be most sober and honest with ourselves. Help us during these days to assess our circles of responsibility, to evaluate ourselves as to how responsible or irresponsible we have been and then help us to repent knowing that the one before whom we repent is a gracious God who is 
eager to forgive. Help us, we pray. And thank you for your word. In Yeshua's name. Amen.